Welcome to Design for Joy, the radio ministry of Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California, celebrating the fact that God's people are designed for the joyful Christian life. We are glad that you could join us for today's broadcast with our pastor and teacher, Dr. Mark Mafucci. And now, let's go to the teaching for today. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. That's our passage today. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews is where we are in our study. This is the chapter that some people call the Hall of Fame of the Faith. As we see together the list of the biblical heroes of faith. Faith is the issue today. Hebrews chapter 11, while you find that passage, here's the key concept. Living by faith means taking risks means taking risks. Some risks are big, some risks are small, but in fact, faith is woven into life. It's woven into everyone's life, every life, even people who think they're not people of faith. Some who would even reject that title. When you think about it, faith at some level, at some time, in some things is part of all of our experiences. Think of it this way. When you get sick, you go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce, and he gives you a prescription that you can't read. You take it to a pharmacist that you don't know. She gives you some medicine that you don't understand how it works. And what do you do with it? You put it in your mouth. That takes faith. And there are a million things like that when you think about how we live, where we extend faith. But when we come to the kind of faith we're talking about today, we're talking about radical, risk-taking faith based on the power of God, being convinced in full assurance that God will bless and give a reward to us. Therefore, he is trustworthy. This, we read in chapter 11, is the litany of the legion of faith, the heroes that have gone on before us. And their names are listed here to give us confidence in God so that we can turn away from the lesser pleasures of seeking after things of the world towards the greater pleasure of glorifying Him. And he begins by giving us faith's description. Read with me verses 1 and 2. He says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Faith's description. It's a two-part description. There's two elements in the way that he describes faith for us. The first element is the assurance of things hoped for. NIV translates the word being sure of what we hope for, a deep confidence that God will keep his promises. Now, we need to pay attention to the wording here because the word that NIV translates being sure is a word that has already showed up in this, in this book. We've already seen it, and it was way back in chapter 1, verse 3, when the author was making the point that Jesus is God himself. And in chapter 1, verse 3, this same word is translated as the exact representation. He says there that Jesus is the exact representation of God. 
When you see Jesus, you're looking at God. That word could also be translated, however, with another word. It is the word substance. In chapter 1, verse 3, the way he's using the word is teaching us that Jesus is the same substance as God the Father. At the essence of who God is, is the same essence of who Jesus is. Now you bring that sense forward here to where he's talking about faith. And he, would, he might say, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Some of your translations probably use that wording. And, and when we look at it in that way, what he's saying is, when we have faith in something, we are receiving a little bit of the substance of that thing in advance. It is both being convinced that it is true and it is experiencing a bit of that truth already. That's faith, the substance of things hoped for, the experience of being sure but making tangible to us things that are not yet tangible becomes real to us. Just as eyesight brings conviction for physical things, you might say, well, I know it's true because I saw it with my own eyes. So faith brings conviction about invisible things. We have a little bit of those things already. But there's more to this description of faith and certain of what we do not see. Once again, we should pause. Because the word that, that we translate certain in the NIV, that word shows up nowhere else in all of the Bible. In order to get a sense for what that word means, we gotta have to travel to secular literature of the time. And where we find that word used in the secular literature of the time was the courts of law. And really what, what the word meant was proof or evidence. It's the evidence of things unseen. When I have faith, I experience a little bit of the substance of what I hope for, and I have the evidence of that which I cannot see. See, understand that what the Hebrew author is telling you is, is faith is not believing without evidence. Faith, the experience of faith itself, carries with it evidence that what you believe is true. Now that's why sometimes the way we use faith is off base. And why the debate that was played out in the Stockton record earlier this year is something that we need to pay attention to. In March 19, 2011, there was a, an article in the commentary section of the Stockton record written by the assistant professor of philosophy at UOP. The article was entitled, Faith Must Be Based on and Inseparable from Science. The reason he writes that article is because there had been a previous article the week before which said basically as its premise, faith is all about your emotions. It's the way that you feel. Therefore, we're not able to question anybody's faith because it's just an emotional response and it's individual. And the professor writes back correctly, saying that faith is not just about emotions and feelings. There's more to it than that. However, the conclusion that he comes to is tragic. 
Here's the thesis of the argument. I'm, reading, I'm quoting from his article. It says this. The question is not whether science is compatible to faith, but what kind of faith is compatible with scientific understanding? And then he goes on to say, science has now proven answers to the question of the origin of the universe, the age of the universe, the development of the universe, the development of our species. Science has proven, he says, the non-existence of angels, demons, and miracles. Now, first of all, how can you prove non-existence? All right. We'll pause there and then move on. But in other words, the, his premise is science has disproven all the things that it takes faith to believe in. And the result is the faith that we are allowed to have is faith in only those things that can be scientifically proven, the very things that faith doesn't, isn't required to believe. Okay, so I'm pointing this out to you to show you that the Hebrew author would reject both of these extremes. This one extreme that says it's all about how you feel and the other extreme that says, no, it's all about the facts and only the facts that you can find out scientifically. Our author is saying, inside the faith experience, you will find not just gushy emotions, but you will also find the substance of what you're, what you're placing your faith in, the reality of the very thing that you're trusting. You will find evidence in faith. And that evidence ought to cause you to live faithfully. It ought to cause you to act. Larry King, the television uh, journalist, tells a story about three farmers who were out in the field. They were praying in their fields because there was a terrible drought and they were praying for rain. Every day they would go out in their fields and they'd plead for God to open the heavens and give us rain. And one day a stranger walked by and he said, what are you guys doing? And they said, we're praying for rain and we're, we're believing God for the answers. And he said, no, I don't think you are. What do you mean? Every day we come out here, we kneel, down, we kneel down in this dirt and we pray for rain. And he said, yeah, but if you were believing God for the answers, at least one of you would have an umbrella. <laughs> Faith is meant to be acted on. Faith propels us to a life directed by faith. This is the premise of the book of James. Faith is completed in action. It is fulfilled in action. That is why the, the idea that says, I have secret faith, I have personal faith, I have private faith, it's inside of me, but it never shows itself on the outside, that's why that is false. Faith is completed in action. We have evidence that we can trust and we are asked to act on the evidence. So you might ask the question, well, how is faith evidence? The Hebrew author anticipates that question. He goes on in verse 3. He says, let me tell you how faith is evidence. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The creation story shows us how faith is evidence. He says, think for a moment about what we believe about how things came to be. The universe was not fashioned out of already existing material. God spoke, 
And all that is came to be. The universe came to be. The word that he uses for universe there is the word aeons. It comes into English as eons. We, no we normally relate it to time. But to the Greek mind, it was space and time. Universe. Any Trekkies here? Star Trek fans? It is the space-time continuum. Listen to me. I'm not kidding. The Bible talked about the space-time continuum way before John Luke Picard. All right? God said, let there be. And the space-time continuum came to be, not out of already existing matter, but God invented, God created that matter. He's saying, we will never be eyewitnesses to that. We will never see that happening, but we can know it to be true by faith. Faith helps us understand. It's not a purely emotional leap in the dark. Faith gives us the clues on how to follow God's word back to truth. In regards to creation, faith allow, allows us to see the fingerprints of God when we see the majesty of the heavens and the, and the work and the beauty of our earth. Faith allows us to listen when the Word of God speaks to us directly about how God created the universe and the way that He worked and say, yes, I believe it to be true because we're following the clues in the evidence of faith. Faith doesn't make things true, but faith gives us the ability to follow the clues of truth. It helps us keep on the trail, so to speak, about what God has said regarding things that we cannot see. It has evidence. God in His Word doesn't tell us everything about creation. There is still much room for science and discovery, but He has told us what we must know and how we must trust Him. See, the author sees that faith leads us to truth through the evidence that it gives. You put all of this together, and what he's saying is faith allows us to be so convinced that what we believe about God is true so that we experience a bit of that already. We're, we're living in it by faith. It uncovers the evidence that otherwise would have been missed by those who have no faith. Now, after having established that, from verse 4 onward, what he gives us is examples of people who had this kind of faith in the center of their lives, and so it changed the way they lived. Follow, follow along as I scan through the chapter. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By, verse 7, by faith, Noah was warned about things not yet seen and built the ark to save his family. By faith, verse 8, Abraham uh, was called to go to a place that he would inherit, but he obeyed and he went. Skip over to verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed when Jericho was destroyed. Onward and onward it goes, name after name, story after story of people living by faith. Living by faith. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Amen. And that's a good description. See, it's not just believing I can take a step. It is taking the step. And these are the heroes who took the step. Notice with me that these are heroes, not idols. 
All of them were human beings. All of them had failings. All of them sinned. All of them th did things that were bad. All of them disappointed God from time to time. Yet God looks back at the sweep of their life and says, it is characterized by faith. That should give you hope. You don't have to be perfect to get on the hero list. Nobody there is perfect. But we can be heroes of the faith. And it points out to me also that we need to have heroes of the faith. We need to have people whose examples we can look up to. We need to get the right heroes in our culture. Our culture has all the wrong heroes. But the history of the church has the right heroes. These biblical heroes and those heroes that came after whose lives we can model ourselves after. For instance, Martin Luther, who died in 1546, he was a German priest and professor of theology, and he saw heresy all around him as it was being taught that if you give the church enough money, you can buy your way into heaven. And he searched the scriptures and said, by grace are ye saved through faith, and so started the Protestant Reformation. Or the hero, John Wesley, who died in 1791. He was a priest in the Church of England before he came to Christ. He was preaching the gospel message, and it dawned on him that he didn't have the, the forgiveness that he talked about. But he pled the blood of Christ before the cross, and he was wonderfully converted. And he traveled all around England preaching the message in the fields. Listen, hundreds of thousands of people came to know Christ through John Wesley. One of them was William Wilberforce. He died in 1833, but when he finally came to Christ, he looked around him and he saw that there was a black mark on the soul of his nation, and it was slavery. And he worked in the parliament 26 years to abolish slavery, and finally he did. Dwight Lyman Moody died in 1899, but D.L. Moody was saved as a shoe clerk in Chicago. And he left his business one day and he saw these kids playing in the street. And he had compassion for these children that he didn't even know if they had a home to go to at night. So he started a Sunday school for children. That Sunday school grew to a great church, Moody Bible Church. And the, after the great fire of Chicago, Moody took to the road. He needed to raise funds uh, to rebuild the church and the, and, the, and the efforts that they were doing. And that led him to an itinerant evangelist ministry. He traveled throughout Europe and the United States. He pioneered the evangelistic rally style of preaching the gospel message. Regularly in England, Moody preached to 30,000, crowds of 30,000 people at a time without a microphone. Now that's a hero right there. <laughs> How can you do it? I don't know. But he pioneered that method that later Billy Graham would perfect, another hero of the faith. The point is, you have to get the right heroes. These are the people on whose shoulders we stand today. And what do all of these heroes have in common? They have in common what they believe in verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Here it is. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. They believed that God is real, that he really exists. Not just that he is. They believed that he exists the way he says he exists. They believed, Exodus 3.14, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. When God described himself as I am, 
He was saying more than just a name. He was saying to, to, to Moses there, I am the ultimate reality above and beyond all that is. I am timeless and I am everlasting. You know what, Moses, you will never get me. You will never understand me. You can't even understand my name. There is no way really to translate that, what he's saying there. He's saying, I am above and beyond you. And when you have faith in that, in that being, that he really is the God of the Bible, the God of the universe. See, all around us there is an assumption that it's good to be a person of faith. It is commonly assumed. Walk down the street and say, are you a person of faith? Oh, yes, that's great. And then the very next sentence they say is, and it doesn't matter what you believe. Yes, it does. You can't just go ahead and make anything up and call it faith. That faith is worthless. Write this down. Faith is only as good as its object. Faith is only as good as its object. If the object of your faith is false, your faith is worthless, it will not prevail. But put your faith in the Almighty God, the one who is behind everything that is, and you have the ability to live boldly for Him. They believe that God is. Secondly, they believe that He rewards they believe that grace is not a thing of the past only, that grace is here and now, that nothing can happen to us that doesn't work together for our ultimate good. And they believed that you will receive that reward when you seek Him. They believe that it doesn't come automatically. God doesn't reward you with the grace of living in His will just because you're breathing. God wants children who choose to obey Him, who choose to love Him, who choose to say yes to Him. And in the choice is the blessing. And then there's the great result of our faith, verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had thinking, been thinking about the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return Instead, they were longing for a greater country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There's the reward, a new country, a country in which we live in the blessing of God. Faith focuses your attention. Faith changes your view. Faith, you, faith helps you see past this life to a bigger, grander existence. Faith gives you a new desire, the desire that explains why you can remain faithful in the hard times. See, you have a new perspective on the way you walk through life now. When you're up and things are going your way, faith says, but I know I have a greater country and one day I will be with God. And when you're down and things are not going your way and you're struggling just to hold on, you say, but I have a greater country and one day I will be with God. And when that's, the ha that's how we feel, we follow in the footsteps of the heroes. Verse 16, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Catch the present tense there. It's not God was not ashamed to be called their God. It's God is not ashamed. They live on. He is not ashamed of them. They are currently with him in glory. And he is not ashamed of them right now.
They live on. All the heroes of the faith exist in glory. All the heroes, the faithful heroes that you have ever known over the course of your life who have passed beyond this life, they live on in glory. God is not ashamed. See, we are meant to leave this passage with a question in our mind. As God looks at me, is he ashamed to be called the God of Mark Mafucci? Is he ashamed to be called your God? It doesn't mean perfection. Nobody on the list was perfect. But it means have, having at the center, the core of our being, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which is not seen, knowing above and beyond all other issues is faith, the strength to believe. Be a person of faith. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy to misunderstand what faith really is. It's easy to think it's some kind of tingle that we need to achieve. But it's much more than that. Lord, we want that substance that we can have already. We pray that you would strengthen our faith. We recognize it's not a human journey in and of itself, but it is a spiritual journey. So strengthen us to the task that is before us and keep us strong no matter what the circumstances are. May our faith so radiate out of us that people will see that we are different because of trusting you. And may you get the glory. Use us that way in the week ahead, we pray. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.